Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. I want to talk to you more about a story of hope. Now, we've gone through, and Katie said it before, you know, we've taken biblical characters and we've talked about hope. And the goal really is to encourage you. It's to build hope in you. But what I want to do is I want to go from the other side, if I can put it this, that way today. What, what, if, what if hope, you were already full of hope? What, what if it wasn't intended for you to be refilled with hope, but rather the problem was that you were filled with hope and you have suffered things that have taken your hope away? What, what if, now everyone has weeds in their garden, don't they? Well, some of you don't and you spend a lot of time trying to get rid of them. But we know what happens with weeds, don't? It doesn't matter how hard you work, they just keep coming back. Is that right? Yeah. Unless, unless you've got a, a, a you know, a, what, what do you call that? Fake turf? fake grass, unless you, even then, I've actually, I've seen someone who had that fake turf or that fake synthetic grass, and even then, weeds find their way through the edges. Now, what if hope was actually internally inside of you, and the problem was that you kept suppressing it, or the circumstance you find yourself in kept suppressing it? Let's think for a few moments. When a baby is born, what does it do? It cries in the hope that someone is going to feed it. Is that right? Did anyone teach the baby to do that? No. It's just, it's innate. It just happens. And as kids continue to grow, we attempt to discipline their behaviour, but hope in and of itself is innate in them. It comes out. They expect, it's like the frustration for them is the restriction we apply, isn't it? You know, when our grandchildren come to our house, they just hope that they're going to get lolly snakes and marshmallows and all that stuff. And we just hope the impact of those lollies happens after they leave our house. (laughs) But as children grow, hope remains if I can say this respectfully, it's damaged children whose hope is is somehow suppressed. You know, something goes wrong, they're ill, uh, they get mistreated, and what happens is the innate hope that they have is somehow damaged, it's, it's suppressed. But teenagers are full of hope, they expect their parents to supply everything, they expect their parents to give them the very best and it's about in our teenage years that I think we most realise that what we hope for is somehow being disappointed. As a teenager, you hope that you've got the right clothes on. The other day someone said to me, they said, you're not very fashionable. Fair enough. He He said, (laughs) <laughs> he said, yeah, no, 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 what, you, what you're wearing, it's like, it's, it's a bit, it's like a bit old-fashioned. I said, well, the truth is I am old. <laughs> and Tim Ong's laughing a lot, I don't know why. 
Payback time, Tim, payback time. <laughs> but, but what happens for teenagers as they're going through school in particular, the naive hope that they had as younger children starts to get damaged by the people that they're with. It gets damaged by jealousy and envy. You, you, you go to school and everything's going well and then you find out that the bike your mum and dad got you is from Kmart, it's not a really good bike and, oh. And then, and then you find the clothes that you wear are the wrong clothes. Or you find out that you, you thought everything was going well because you got to go to hol- on holidays to Queensland and everyone else went to the United States. And what happens is this innate hope is damaged in some form or another. In other words, what you think intuitively is somehow suppressed. First get married, you're full of hope, aren't you? (laughs) I'm not saying that changes. I'm not saying that changes. I'm just saying when you first get married, you're full of hope. But the reality is, as you go through married life, some of your hopes are disappointed. The reality of life takes you down a notch or two. And, and, and you know, to, to, further, to further explain how I think hope lives within us, you know, when people pass away, and I'm sorry especially to write, but when people pass away, there's this naive hope that they're going to go to a better place. Now, as Christians, we know that to be true, but for many people who are not Christians, what do they say? They say the same thing well, it's okay, he's gone to a better place. No relationship with Christ. Somehow, someway, there's this hope that everything will turn out all right. And and I use all these things as an illustration to say, you know, hope is built within us. When you're born, you're born with hope. And, And it's actually the opposite way. It's not that you need to be filled with hope again. It's actually what you need to do is throw off the things that have suppressed your hope. It's like, it's like you're a spring that's been held down and if we take some of the weight off the spring, then the spring will bounce back up again. Some of you are saying, I don't know if I could be filled with hope again. And you're, you're taking on responsibility for that, thinking that somehow, uh, 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 you know, your own initiative or motivation or um, positive thinking is going to make the difference for you. No, no, no. What you've actually got to do is throw off the weight that is keeping you from where you ought to be. You know, in Romans chapter 1, Paul speaks about the fact that we are if you like, we all intuitively know God. And I'm going to read it to you. You can put it up on the screen for me, Steve, that'd be great. It says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Let's stop there just for a moment. What if the truth is, and we'll get to that in a minute, what if the truth is that you are already full of hope, but it's wickedness that has destroyed your hope? Not your wickedness necessarily, but wickedness itself. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, eternal power and divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. 
Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. What Paul was saying is in, inside every single one of us, is some understanding of God, and that's the cause of that hope. And it's just the world that we live in, it's the circumstances we experience, it's the people we mix with, it's, it's a teaching that's wrong that destroys the hope that God placed in us right from the very start. It's no coincidence that the bulk of the world still believe in God or a gods of some sort or another. It's not a coincidence that that's the case. As a matter of fact, psychologically, they believe it's better for you to believe in a God than not believe in a God, not because being a Christian is good, but because it gives you hope outside of yourself. And this is placed in every single one of us. There's this this, uh, uh, inclination, there's this desire for things to get better. Now, we're all happy today, aren't we? Why? Because the sun's out. And and the reality is this, most people through the weeks past have been hoping for a day when the sun would shine. And and, and I'm using this again as another, but it's not not just people that go to church that hope that the sun is going to shine. It's everybody hopes the sun is going to shine and the rain will stop. Why is it? It's because hope is a part of who we are. It's the way God created us to to be. And it's, it's the way that we progress through life. My question to you is, what has damaged your hope? Let's go to John chapter 8. Jesus said some profound words. It says, John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings... And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What Jesus was doing was recalibrating the, teach, uh, the, the, the thinking of the people that he'd gathered together. He was, he was returning them to a place where they understood what God's purpose and plan was for them. And he says, then you'll know the truth. And the truth will what? Set you free. We talk, you know, in, in, in Christian terms about, you know, prison doors opening. We talk about chains falling off. And the reality is what we actually need to do to experience hope is allow some of those things to take place. Too often, though, we define the chains, we define the prison doors as something to do with sin. Now, it's ultimately the result of sin, but there is something in your thinking that can destroy your hope that may not be as sinful as you perceive it to be. In, in other words, you can, you can be shaped or shape others in a way thinking it's right when it's actually it's wrong. Let's turn to Acts chapter 10. We're going to read it all, but we'll just pick up on some of the highlights. It's the story of Peter and Cornelius. And the story goes like this. Peter is, um, is at a place called Straight Street, believe it or not. I don't know why they put the name. It's not like we can go and visit the street or the house that he was in. But a part of the way through the day, he went to the roof, and on the roof, it was a combination, I don't know how this works, a combination of prayer and sleeping. How, how many people do the same thing? A combination of prayer and sleeping at the same time. 
Peter's on the roof and uh, he's up there to pray and to eat. And he, has, he falls asleep and he falls into a trance, it says. And then he has a dream. And in this dream, God begins to lay out for him, I reckon he was hungry, lay out for him food to eat. But the food that he lays out for him to eat falls outside of Paul's, uh, Peter's understood guidelines. It's like Kentucky Fried, pizza, <laughs> McDonald's, all the things you shouldn't eat. That's what uh, Peter got to see. Now, according to Jewish law, there were things there that he should not eat. They were, he was being tempted to eat them, if you like. And, and God is saying, you know, get up, rise up and eat some of these things. And Peter's saying, I will not eat those things. And there's this story goes backwards and forwards. We'll put up some of the verses if you like, Steve. Any one of them. <laughs> I hope you will do that soon. Oh. <laughs> um, 10.14, it says, No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. Let's stop on that verse for a few moments. Who thinks Peter was doing the right thing? No one wants to put up the hand. As a Jew who grew up uh, religiously, who's directed by, you know, his, the religious leaders of the day, there were some things he could eat and some that he couldn't. And one of the things he couldn't eat was bacon. Is that right? Yeah. The, the Old Testament is filled with all sorts of different laws about what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. And Paul, uh, Peter, and I keep going backwards and forwards on Paul and Peter, but Peter is saying, listen, I will not eat that. That will make me impure. It will make me unclean. I refuse to do it. And yet at the same time, you've got, you've got God telling him to eat it, and he's saying, no, I won't eat it. Let me stop just there for a moment. I want you to think about this. How many things do you now not do as a result of what you have previously been taught was wrong to do? How many things have you picked up on your journey up to life now restrict you in a way that is now no longer appropriate? You see, as a, as a young kid, I always wanted to drive a car. But there came a time where the no became yes, and then became no again because I lost my license. It became yes again, <laughs> became no again. Then I lost it again, and, go, and then another time, and then and it's just like in and out. But but the bottom line is there was um, there was a time where it was right to not drive, and then there was a time for it to be wrong to drive. And the reality is this, what happens with us in life, there are times where you can do certain things and times where you can't do certain things. And what we need to do is throw off the times that have brought us restriction that are no longer applicable. And, you know, some of these things are to do with maturity and it makes sense as we go through life. There are things you can do, things you can't do. You know, with our kids, we've had all sorts of troubles. Most of you know that because I speak about it often. And, and they would do the right thing sometimes and the wrong, time, uh, the, the wrong thing at other times. And, 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 you know, there were rules that we had for our children when they lived in our home that, you know, those rules are gone now. 
Britt can go and stay at Josh's house. We're totally fine with that now. <laughs> when she was, there were times where that was wrong and it was inappropriate and all that, but now it's all right. We're happy to, actually, we're happy to see her go. <laughs> you, you, you know, when the grandkids come, we hope that they will go home soon, you know. <laughs> not, not, not yours, Britt. All the others, just the others, just the others. And so we understand the progression when it comes to age, don't we? There's no problem. And actually, the older you get, the more freedom you have. Ruth and I, now the kids are gone. We've got heaps more freedom. Now we just look after the old people that live with us, but that's okay. (laughs) So there is some restrictions. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) But we understand the progression when it comes to age. But there are some trickier areas that are the real problem. The first is to do with your mindset. And your mindset affects so much of your life. The way you approach life, the way you think about life. Your mindset with regard to the people around about you. The way you think about them, the way you act towards them. My grandfather fought in the Second World War did time in the Middle East and in Papua New Guinea as well. In Papua New Guinea, I say this respectfully so I don't want to offend anyone, Papua New Guinea, he fought the Japanese. And so you would expect there to be a set against that group of people given what he experienced. But I remember when I was young, he used to go to the market week after week. They would go to Trash and Treasure on Saturdays, then they'd go to the market and sell what they bought on Saturday on Sundays, and that's what they would do. But they would mix, mix with people of all different races, and it surprised me that he was so friendly to people who appeared to be Japanese. And I thought, that's strange. I remember one time I spoke to him, I said, oh, didn't you fight some of those sort of people in the war? He said, yes. He said, but we were fighting a war and they were fighting a war and neither of us had any choice. So it was not their fault and it wasn't our fault. And so his view of those people was not tainted by his experiences. But the sad thing is many returning soldiers took up a racist position because of their experience. And I say this because it comes back to mindset. You know, the people around us help shape our mindset, whether in the workplace, whether in our neighbourhood, whether it be, you know, in our families. And whether you like it or not, the mindset you have is your responsibility. You can blame your parents, you can blame your environment, you can blame, blame your workplace, but ultimately your mindset is your problem. And you know what's happening here is, and it's disappeared now, Acts 10 14, I think it is, Peter is in a position where God is talking to him about his mindset, and Peter is resisting because of his mindset. God's saying, you can eat this, and Peter is saying, no, I can't. And Peter needed to change and God came to him in a moment to bring about change to his mindset. Why was that change so important? Because unless Peter's mindset changed, he couldn't go to the people who he was 
racist against the Gentiles. The Jews seen themselves as the as su- supreme people, the, the best of the best, the chosen ones. And some t- somehow, some way, the Gentiles were the pagans, the filthy ones. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't sit with them, they wouldn't talk with them, they wouldn't eat with them, they despised them. And God came in a moment and he addressed Peter and he said, no, 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 don't you call unclean what I call clean. And so what happens is eventually as we go through this story, Peter goes to Cornelius's house. Now, Cornelius is what, uh, he was a God lover. He was someone who followed God, but he was a Gentile. And there for the first time, we see the, the work of Christ break out amongst the Gentile people and the Holy Spirit fall on the Gentile people. Why? Because Peter got to the point where he finally, after three times, he finally allowed God to change his mindset. And the result was a harvest in a new group of people. You problem, you've got a problem with your mindset every single one of you, including me. And the problem you've got with your mindset is you use it as an excuse to become someone that you ought not to be. Some of you say, well, it's just my personality. I can't do this or I can't do this or I can't do this. Your personality is only restricted by your mindset, your decisions. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he speaks about in Philippians. Jesus said back in John 8, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I love Paul's approach, his attitude, because, and I understand the context, but I just love the phrase, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There isn't a situation, there isn't a person, there isn't a circumstance that if God chooses to speak to me and through me that I cannot approach. And I want you today to allow hope to spring up from within you. I want you to throw off mindsets that have been unhealthy for you. I want you to throw away restrictions where you've adopted restrictions that are not biblical, that are not God's purpose, that are not God's plan. I'm not saying that they were wrong when you adopted them, but I am saying there are many of them that are now wrong today. And in the same way that God approached Peter and said, it's time for you to change your thinking, I'm saying to you today, it's time for you to change your thinking and as you do, hope will bubble up from within. What did Jesus say about living waters? They bubble up from within inside of us. And so, some of you have created a prison for yourself. And that prison might be around your capability. Your prison might, the prison you've created might be around your, uh, your ambition. The prison you've created might be around your ethnicity. The prison you've created might be around your, your skills or lack of skill. Somehow, some way, what we need to do is break the chains that bind us. So we're free to do all that God has got in mind. My question to you is, what has God planted in your heart? You may think it's something you've created yourself, that you've made up yourself. Most of the time you're wrong. 
Because God, right from the very beginning, as I said before in Romans, you know, he, he gave us all some understanding of the God that was out there. Now, most of us in the room today, we, we understand that God is no longer just out there. He's actually in here. More than that, he's in here. And he's close to us. And so the dreams, the passion and the vision that we have, those dreams and passions and visions are given to us to carry. But too often the reason we don't carry them to their completion is simply because we don't think we can. Our mindset. A mindset handed to us by our parents, perhaps. A mindset handed to us by our environment. A mindset handed to us by our vocation or our education. And what we've got to do is break the power of that thing in Jesus' name. I want hope to rise from within you today. I want, I want you to be like a whole bunch of springs that have been held down. I, I want to break the thing that ties the spring so it can spring up and out. And so it's not about you psyching yourself up. It's about letting go. I let go of this. I let go of this. I let go of this. You know, in most circumstances, some of the people that achieve the most in the world are those who have suffered the most. It's a weird thing. And I don't think it's because they've suffered the most that they succeed. I think it's because they've overcome some challenges, some difficulties, some trials. And that innately equips them to keep handling the challenges and trials and difficulties that they've faced in the past and it'll enable them in the future. Do, do you know comfort is a mindset? Where's Terry Baxter? Retirement is a mindset? Oh, <laughs> Terry, I just want to acknowledge Terry. You know, on, on Friday he retired from MMM, most of you know, Mobile Mission Maintenance, served there nine years, served there sacrificially. Let's put our hands together and acknowledge his service. My question to you is, which chain are you going to break today in your life? Which chain are you going to break so that you can soar? You're not supposed to have your wings clipped. You're meant to be able to fly. And the only thing, the only thing stopping you is what's happening here. So Peter's in the room. He has his dream three times over. God tells him to eat. Peter kept saying, no, I won't eat. No, I won't eat. Three times it happens over and over again. God's speaking and still Peter won't respond. Eventually he responds. But he didn't respond completely at first. He did what he was told, which is to go to Cornelius' house. And when he gets to Cornelius' house and he shares the gospel reluctantly and sees God move, he, he's still surprised. He said, wow, I didn't think that would happen. Because that bias, that mindset is, is not completely gone. As a matter of fact, if you read the New Testament, you'll find Peter's mindset still needed to be adjusted right the way through and it caused problems. It caused what's known as the apostolic council meeting in Acts chapter 15. It causes problems in the book of Galatians and, uh, and he and Paul kept disputing about Peter's mindset. Can I say to you, what you need to do is start the journey. 
And as you do, God will do something profound. Will you stand together with me this morning? I've been deliberately vague in some of what I've said. Because ultimately it's the Holy Spirit who puts his finger on what you need to deal with, not me. You know, as you read that chapter in Acts chapter 10, you'll find that it was God that put his finger on the issue for Peter at that point in time. And as Peter responded, he did something profound. I'm going to pray. These guys are going to sing in just a moment. But I want the Holy Spirit to put his finger on whatever it is in your life that will take you the next step in the journey of hope that God is taking you on. As we pray, I believe that God will bring to your mind something, maybe an attitude, it may be a phrase, it may be a practice. And he will speak to you about breaking that thing in Jesus' name and hope will take another step up in your life. Do you know, people who are hopeful are happy, aren't they? When our, when our grandchildren come to our house and they, they come to us and they ask for a snake, a lolly snake, they're hopeful. You can see it in their face. Oh, can we just have a snake? You know, it's like, oh, I'm so excited. That's how we're supposed to be about life. Yeah. All we've got to do is cut off some of the things that are destroying hope. Father, today in this place... It's you who give us hope. We know that in Jesus Christ we have hope. But too often our demeanor, our action, our activity suffers because of past learning, past understanding or past experiences that have somehow nullified or negated the hope that you've planted within us. My prayer is in these moments today that you would come by your Holy Spirit and that you would put your finger on the thing that you want to speak to us about. Just in the same way you spoke to Peter, put your finger on the thing in our life that you want to address that will trigger a new season of hope in our experience. Father, come right now, I pray. Come right now, I pray. Begin to speak to us. Maybe today that you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ or perhaps you're online and you don't know this Jesus Christ and we talk about him giving us hope and, 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 and you're not clear on all that that means. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is just a, an opportunity for us to be reconciled with our Heavenly Father. It's an invitation to a relationship and all you simply need to do is pray and ask Jesus Christ into your heart. It'll be the beginning of a journey, an extraordinary journey, a life-changing, life-transforming journey. It'll be triggered by the relationship. And so if you're in this room today, if you're online and you want to, for the first time, make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you to simply pray. And I'd like everyone here in the room to pray along with us. And let's do that out loud. You may have done it many, many times before, but let's do it again. Dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I look forward to a life-giving relationship with you. Come and fill me now, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you.
Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.